Hey all, welcome to Eat Drink Social. My name is Michael Moeller, and throughout this podcast series, you'll be hearing from myself and the Go Social team. Go Social is a PR and social media marketing firm with offices in both Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be discussing social media trends and influencer best practices in the food and beverage landscape. And if you have any questions and want to reach out, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can visit our website at www.goforthbesocial.com. Happy to be joined now by Heather Watson, a.k.a. at Her Kentucky. Uh, we are at Old Forest here, here on Main Street in Louisville, uh, specifically at George's Bar. We're about to drink some drink some flights of bourbon. But Heather, before we get too much into the interview today, can you just tell me a little bit more about your blog? My name is Heather Watson, and I do run a site called HerKentucky.com, which is focused toward entertaining style, basically anything of interest to the modern Kentucky woman. Um, in football season, that's all I care about are the Wildcats and the Crimson Tide, so that's SEC football is my focus. I'm always talking about bourbon. I'm always talking about college basketball because I'm a Kentuckian, so it's 24-7, 365 for me. Um, we also do talk a lot about, for example, I just came back from Nashville, which is my favorite city on earth. Um, but we're not necessarily going to focus on, hey, here's where you go pose in front of angel wings and here's where you go bacheloretting because that isn't my core audience. Um, the Her Kentucky Reader is a little more mature, a little more financially secure and is she enjoys a glass of wine, she enjoys a bourbon, but she's not a woo girl anymore. Um, so, uh, you know, my focus on my last trip to Nashville is seeing Frida Kahlo. Um, there was a beautiful Mexican modernism exhibit at the Frist Museum. So, her Kentucky is really more geared toward a well-rounded, little older, a little more sophisticated woman than someone who's necessarily looking for the hottest trends at H&M, what to wear to a bachelorette party. And that has turned into a great brand for me. As Her Kentucky has evolved, I've really found just a great group of women who are interested in good bourbon, good wine, good food. Um, people who want my tricks on last night, I put tomahawk steaks on the big green egg. And that's a skill in itself. Um, but that's not necessarily fast food. That's not necessarily cheap food. And it's been really great um, over the eight years that Her Kentucky's existed to really find my core audience, people who look for what Her Kentucky can give that maybe other brands can't. So out of all the topics that you cover, you know, most of them having to do with, with Kentucky, what would you say is your favorite topic? Oh my goodness. Um, Choosing between bourbon, books, and basketball, that is like choosing your favorite child. Um, honestly, whenever I put my black labs on the site, people want to see my those babies. Uh, you know, that's just a quick way for everyone to be happy is to see a dog. Um, but no, certainly bourbon is a huge interest of mine. Um, book reviews are a very, very close second and entertaining. I love cooking. I love sharing my take on a meal or a place setting, I love sharing that with my readers and giving them tips on what works well for them. So I think I initially met you at an Evan Williams event when they first opened up their own cocktail bar, right. I believe, Which is a, so a year ago. Yeah, right. yeah, it's great. And 
we're obviously at Old Forester right now. Right. But do you have any favorite brands with bourbon? Oh. I mean, how does that work? You know, the old joke in Louisville is always that your favorite bourbon comes down to which friends are in the room and what uh, distillery they work for. Um, as I sit here, one of my very best friends, my 20, best friend of 20 years, his husband was actually one of the architects on this building. So if I, you know, if Dave and Sean were here, I would have to say Old Forester, favorite, favorite. Um, I have a very close friend who w- works at Woodford Reserve. Um, I've gotten to know the Samuels family really well in doing uh, some research for the book I'm writing. And honestly, for me, I think that once you delve into the world of bourbon writing, it is so hard to distinguish the spirit from the personalities and the people. Um, you know, I'm always going to love Old Forester. I love Woodford Reserve. I love Maker's Mark. I love Michter's. But I do. I, I think that once you really get into telling the stories of the bourbon, you taste that in the spirit, and it does alter your perception of what you're drinking. And it's not just a marketing thing. It's not just hearing, hey, Old Forester was the first bottled bourbon, and that's the story they want to tell. It's knowing that so many of the people who work in this building who are making this spirit are incredible folks whom I've worked with repeatedly and are so proud of this product and have given me a great insight into this product. And I think that those would have to be my favorites, those where I've really gotten to know people and really gotten to see what goes into their work and what makes them so proud of the spirit. Um, I will say that my daily drinker is probably Old Forester 100 proof. Just drop in a couple of, a couple of uh, pieces of ice, um, and you never go wrong with that. That's interesting. I'd never even thought about it that way, but that's, that's really cool, especially um, you look at all these old pictures on the wall, and you're going back and talking about how it does like change your perception of, of the taste. Um, so you do a lot of book reviews. I do. In particular... Um, highlighting Kentucky authors. Who's your favorite author, not named Wendell Berry? <laughs> you know, that is, uh, that's quite a question. Um, I love historical fiction. So currently I am very much, um, I'm reading a lot by Kate Quinn, who wrote The Alice Network. She just wrote a great book called The Huntress. And that's as far removed from Kentucky as possible. And that is something I find that is so great about her Kentucky readers is there are weeks where I'm able to say, you know, here's this woman, Kate Mayfield, who grew up in southern Kentucky but is now writing from London, London, England, not London, Kentucky. And I think that my readers are really great about they love seeing Kentucky writers, but they're very open to hearing, okay, Heather just read um, both of Taylor Jenkins Reid's big books. I just read um, The Seven Husbands of Ethelyn Hugo, and I just read uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. And my readers are so great about, they don't necessarily just want to hear Kentucky-based writers. They are very well-rounded, and they don't really want to be pandered to. So while they may love Silas House, they don't care if I review Silas House every week. So that, that's really great to see. How does the Her Kentucky brand differ from Heather Watson? 
Um, at this point, I don't know that it no, does. It doesn't at all. Um, I, uh, it, it's really an odd feeling. It's such a weird little world we live in that your name is your brand, is your LLC, is your internet handle, and you may go to a restaurant and someone says, hey, you're Her Kentucky. Um, and I have tried really hard to make Her Kentucky reflect what I love. Um, for example, from a branding standpoint, a lot of bloggers, a lot of social influencers do not like to do a lot of attention to events that call the call to action away from something immediately going into their brand, whether it's an affiliate link or something else that would benefit their brand. But for me, I have made charity events very important and very much a part of the Her Kentucky brand. Over the past year, we've raised over $1,200 for Dress for Success Lexington solely from Draper James. And that has just been this great partnership where I work with a clothing brand I personally wear, I'm wearing currently. Um, I work with a group of civic-minded people, the board of Lexington's Dress for Success, and we work to raise money for a small nonprofit. And I, I have certainly had other influencers tell me, you know, that's kind of career suicide. You're, you're putting so much time, so much work into something that is not immediately bringing you any financial gain, that you're hosting these events for free, you're promoting them for free. But in my own personal life, I've always been involved in civic organizations. I've always been involved in charitable and fundraising activity. And I feel that owning my own company, having my own brand, that has to be part of it. And I certainly see, and I don't tell that story to get any sort of head pat that, hey, Heather loves to talk about how much money she raises. But I do raise that story specifically to say it's wonderful to find avenues where my business can coincide with my fundraising passions, with, you know, a 501c3 as wonderful as Dress for Success that truly puts clothing on women who are looking to get back into the workforce. And I think that that's what makes Her Kentucky so special to me, is being able to say, okay, I can do X that will keep you know, the bills paid, but I can also do why that makes her Kentucky bigger and better. I just came off um, this weekend. We went to the Make-A-Wish Gala, and I've, I've worked with Make-A-Wish for years now to promote their mission through her Kentucky, and it was just so wonderful. There was, um, I was sat, I sat next to a woman who's in her early 20s who had been a Wish kid as, as a small child, and she actually said, yes, I've heard of your brand. I know your blog. And that was just so heartening to me to feel like I'm reaching the right people and I'm doing something good here. We're, we're about to kind of transition into the social media part of this conversation, but a good segue into that would be, you know, every, everybody loves that feel-good factor on social media. Absolutely. Have you seen personally that when you do post about those charity events or maybe dollar donations that you end up getting more engagement out of it? I do get a good bit of engagement and I get... What feels wonderful is you can get a click or you can get a quality click, as anyone in social media knows. 
And when you're seeing the right people, the people you're targeting as hopefully return readers, hopefully partners down the road on future endeavors, I feel like that is when I am so happy to be hitting targets. Anyone can like a dress I'm wearing. And if they're clicking from another region of the United States, if they're clicking from someplace in Europe, maybe they'll follow the affiliate link, maybe they won't. But if there's someone local, if there's someone within my demographic, there's someone who may find something else at her Kentucky, that's what I want to see. And I certainly feel that happens with the, um, with the charity stories. Absolutely. How are you different? from from other Instagrammers in Kentucky or just in general? Well, I'm 43. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably old enough to be a lot of Instagrammers. Well, let's say aunt. Uh, um, which is, you know, and I laugh about that. Um, I, I do work as hard to stay current as anyone, but I certainly do fall a little bit outside the demographic of someone who lists influencer as their career. And because of that, I am able to, I've had a China pattern for 20 years. Um, and I am able to build in perhaps a little older demographic and people who share the interests I have in, especially with entertaining, especially with taking a long time with a meal, something that, not to say that younger people wouldn't do that, but it's maybe not where their priority lies or where their time can lie. Yeah, you're definitely hitting a different demographic sometimes. Absolutely. Uh, again, sometimes though, I mean, depends on what you're talking about. Um, but everybody Absolutely. can everybody can agree that uh, Kentucky's awesome. Kentucky kicks ass, as the slogan Absolutely. goes. Absolutely, we make the best bourbon, the only bourbon in the world. Let's just say <laughs> it. So, you know, how do you how do you like to portray the the culture of Kentucky in? posting and blogging? You know, the very original thought for Her Kentucky, I was writing, um, I'm a freelancer by trade as well, and I was, actually I was late on deadline for an article that I owed an editor, and as I thought about, I was sort of noodling on the topic, it wasn't coming to me, and I started thinking about the women I know in Kentucky, and I do feel like Kentucky women as a general rule, we're sort of lumped into two categories. You either hear, you know, that sort of super precious debutante, sort of, you know, wearing the big derby hat kind of lady, or you hear kind of the redneck, barefoot and pregnant shotgun lady from Eastern Kentucky. Exactly, and I'm 606. I grew up outside of Pres outside of Prestonsburg, uh, near Pikeville. And I was sort of thinking about how many women, especially women with whom I went to Transylvania for undergrad, women with whom I went to UK for grad school, sort of my first level friends and colleagues have these incredible stories, uh, just incredible professions. And at the time that I started Her Kentucky, I had a friend who was very involved in politics. I had another friend who had literally deferred practicing law after uh, she graduated from law school to work on a presidential campaign. Um, friends who were just doing great things in medicine, in law, in education, just, just great fields. 
and that were so totally out of the mold of those two, uh, th- that sort of dichotomy that we always see for Kentucky women. And that was where her Kentucky originally came from, was the idea that I know so many great Kentucky women, and as we've evolved, we've really worked more with, you know, here at Old Forester, it's a great example, Jackie's Eye Can, the, um, the master taster here. You know, while not Kentuckian by birth, she certainly embraced it for all that she has. I mean, she goes dressed as a mint julep every year to the Derby. And, you know, we're just seeing such great things where Kentucky women are able to express their passions, their interests in basically the product of Kentucky. You know, whether it is the bourbon, whether it's quilting, whether it's basketball or football, it, it couldn't be a better time to be a Kentucky woman. And I just, I love that my brand can in some way celebrate that. That's great. And we can tell that just from your content and just by talking to you now that um, the authenticity and the enthusiasm comes through and genuinely. And so, and no problem. So in terms of your content creation, do you, do you kind of let that steer, steer the ship or sometimes do you just have to sit down and maybe think like, okay, here's what I want to do next. Maybe this would be good for, for a post down the line. What's, what's that process like? You know, um, I'm a planner by nature. I, you know, I told you guys before we sat down that I'm the type of person that if I put a, before I put a single dish in a cabinet, I like to have a picture in my mind of what the cabinet is going to look like with every dish in it. That being said, the content creation process is so organic. I never want it to feel forced. I never want it to feel like, oh, okay, well, I have to have something up every Thursday at 4.30 so I can hit my likes target. And I do try to, I try to be sensitive of what's going on. You know, if someone's passed away that day, in my news feed, I'm not going to be automatically posting my pictures of champagne glasses just because champagne was what I was promoting that day because it, it does feel so inauthentic to the reader. I do try to follow, you know, what's going on in the news that day, what I'm feeling that day. If, you know, there are just days when I don't want to, I don't feel like it for some reason or I have something else go- going on. Um, Two weeks ago, we thought my grandmother was going to pass away. And I just had to say, okay, I'm just not feeling this for a few days. You know, obviously, if you have something targeted, if you have a sponsored post to go up, if you otherwise have an obligation, whether it's time-wise or contractually, you're going to have to push on like you would at any other job. But the beauty, I think, of social is you do have some wiggle room. And I would always rather err to the side of what works for me at that moment, what works for my audience at that moment, and what feels authentic to, I mean, just the trends of what's on the Internet that day. I I guess speaking of authenticity, um, people always seem to engage with photos that have a picture of a person in it. Absolutely. Uh, especially if that person is yourself. Um, do, you, do you find that is the case with you, and, and why or why not? I do. I do. Um, for me, I find that it is very much 
a personal feeling of, okay, Heather is the name behind this brand. And if people love seeing actually the glass up to my lips so that they actually, or in my hand, that, okay, Heather is actually drinking this Old Forester today. Um, and I think that, you know, if you're, as a woman, if you're raised a certain way, you're almost, in the South, you're told, be modest. Don't push yourself onto people too hard. And that, that was one of the most interesting shifts for me is that I did see when I started pulling myself out from behind the camera more, I did get a lot more engagement. Um, and I never want people to think, oh, Heather thinks she's so awesome. It is. I want to feel like I am engaging with my readers. I'm engaging with the folks on the other side of that phone screen. Um, but yeah, I definitely do feel like, uh, I mean, of course, my dog Sophie, she always wins. Uh, she's always going to get more engagement than I am, but that's okay. She's really cute. <laughs> so I'm sure as, as you've heard or might have noticed yourself on Instagram, the algorithm's a bit mm. changed up. It sure has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how have you been combating that? Have you, have you been trying any new techniques, maybe with hashtags or copy or maybe the types of pictures you post? I just decided to say, screw it and just put what I want. Um, I feel like any industry, whether you're talking about the stock market, whether you're talking about litigation, whether you're talking about politics, things ebb and flow. And for me, um, I just decided I'm not going to try to do a bunch of things that don't necessarily, you know, I'm going to obviously work on how my hashtagging goes, see what works for me, see what photos work for me. But I know that every influencer is dealing with this right now and I'm just more interested in keeping my content on brand and in tune with what my readers like um, I think that that is such a great thing of coming from you know I've, I've done business to business sales in my lifetime and I've done freelance writing and I am obsessed with the idea that any product you put out, whether it's something you're selling, whether it's something I'm writing and selling, I can spend all the time on the, in the world on it. It can be what I consider beautiful, but if it doesn't connect with the reader, it's not that good. And for me, I'm just kind of going with what works for my audience. I know that a lot of influencers are going through the same thing, and... I've just decided, okay, some days I'm not going to get as many likes as others. And I do feel like we're going, you know, as you see the way that they're playing with Instagram likes not being shown right now in other markets, especially in Europe, maybe we're going to something else. Um, maybe my internal analytics are, are going to be what I show to a brand rather than the outside, hey, thump, here's how many thumbs up I have. So I've just decided I'm not going to let it drive me insane. I'm going to keep doing what I do and go from there. Can you name a time when you were really excited about a post or an idea or, or you know, whether it's Instagram or a blog post, whatever, that, you know, you, you, you got it all out there and you're like, oh, this is going to kill. This, this is going to be great. And I love it. And I'm really interested in this. And I'm pretty sure everybody else will be too. 
and you just kind of missed the mark. You know, I tried something a few years ago with doing an online book club. And I had test marketed it a good bit with my readers. And they were saying, hey, we're interested in this. We like the idea of you doing a Kentucky book every month and doing two posts about it. One where I introduced the book and a second one that was essentially reading prompts and questions. And as you can imagine, that was a lot of work for me. Um, you know, even to reaching out to the authors to see if they had anything to say. I mean, that was a full day's work, or more likely 20, 30 hours of work. And while re my readers said they wanted to do that, they didn't necessarily come through with it. They weren't that interested in actually following up. You know, I was test marketing at first for doing Amazon affiliate links, but then going through with hey, maybe I partner with Carmichael's or Joseph Beth or someone down the road to make this a, a true test case. And I just didn't have the numbers to prove it. Something else I've tried, you know, especially when I started eight years ago, everyone was about that email list. You know, that that is the holy grail of social media marketing is getting those emails, getting people signed up, pushing content out to them that way. I was working my tail off on doing, hey, here are all the sales at the boutiques of Kentucky. Here are all the events. You could sign up for different MailChimps. It was a lot of work. And all I was seeing was, I eh, didn't open it. Uh, opened it, delete, uh, unsubscribe. And that just wasn't viable. And I think that is the most interesting thing about owning your own social media concern is that you have to constantly evaluate these things and you have to be both honest with yourself, but more importantly, you have to admit when you're wrong. Um, because I could still be doing those emails and taking a ton of time with them and nobody doing this. Or I could be saying, hey, this book club, is just, you know, a point of pride for me. And as you know, people just aren't even commenting on blog posts as they used to. You hear, well, I wasn't on the big computer. The big computer, that's always such a great phrase. And no one comments from their phone on a blog post. We've just, we've made too many captures. We've made too many ways that you can't do it. So I think that it's a learning experience and it's not like you have a retired grandfather in this field who you can go to for advice. We're all kind of learning as we go. And just as you see a minute ago, a new algorithm's gonna come along or a new technology thing's gonna come along. And at some level, you just have to look at, well, what works for me? What, but more importantly, what keeps my readers coming back? Because otherwise, it's just the vanity project if I'm sitting here putting a, spending a lot of time on the internet. Exactly. And so if someone was trying to, to grow a fan base in this, in this day and age, what, what tips would you give to them? I think the first tip I would say is do not think that you're here for just the money, the great money or whatever that some people believe that they're going to see a six-figure income just from affiliate links. Um, those are few and far between. I know it's not me. Um, I think that 
Another thing that people need to look at is, do you have a story to tell? Or do you just think, hey, I'm going to look cute on the internet? Um, I think that the most controversial thing that you can talk to would-be influencers about is the idea of how much does the idea of so-called free product or, you know, review products, review experiences, how does that fit into your business model? Because there aren't as many, you know, so-called free clothes as everyone thinks. Um, and you're still paying taxes on them if you receive them. Um, it, it is a business. Um, I am very fortunate that my husband is a corporate lawyer and he also has an MBA in economics and he sits down and goes through the business plan with me pretty often and we can talk what makes this viable, what it, you know, what would I need to be doing in a comparable job in a more traditional market to keep this viable. And I think that so often people go into, I should be an influencer because it's, hey, I'm going to get a free shirt or you get to go to distilleries all the time. And that's just not the case. Um, and I think that if you want to be an influencer, you should really look at, do you have a story to tell? Do you have a passion for promoting a certain thing? Are you looking for a creative outlet? Um, it's like any other, you know, at the end of the day, I always say, yeah, maybe my job's a little more fun than yours, but it's still a job. Um, do you use multiple social media accounts, platforms? I do. How would you how would you break down the percentage of what you use and how often? You know. Um, also, feel free to take a sip of your bourbon <laughs> flight. We, uh, we we are thirsty here. <laughs> you know, something I've found with her Kentucky is that I have almost a completely different audience on Facebook than I do on Instagram. Um, and it really does match the demographic of the two social media platforms. Um, Her, Kentucky, Her Kentucky on Facebook has an older group of women who are devoted to the idea of Kentucky. Um, but I also have a lot of women who, for example, are crazy about when Vineyard Vines drops their Kentucky Derby t-shirts every April. And they are immediately looking for me to show them those on Facebook the day they come out. Um, Instagram trends younger. Instagram trends more fickle. Um, you know, you, you, there are days when you think you're killing it and you start bleeding Instagram followers for I have no idea why reason. And I think that um, something that I have tried recently is breaking down some subcategory Instagrams. I actually have Her Kentucky Reads, which is just a bookstagram. And that, that is something that works really well within the bookstagram community here in Kentucky and, and regionally. Um, I do focus on Joseph Beth, Carmichael's, and Parnassus in Nashville as... Well, I mean, they're just the best bookstores around. Um, there are a reason you go there rather than shopping for your books on Amazon because of the customer service, because of the way that they're curated. And that 
The Reads is very much a sub-Instagram that we've had a lot of fun with. Um, another sub-Instagram um, pardon me, account that works really well for us is uh, Her Kentucky Eats. Um, a year ago, my husband and I went on a super low-carb diet, um, which, as you know, was not that fun. It's really hard at first. And something that I've found is a lot of fun is Her Kentucky Eats. I'm able to sort of do, it's, I would say, 80 to 90% low-carb meals we're doing at home, how I make shrimp and grits with cauliflower rice. Delicious. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. How's, how's the, uh, my, my girlfriend and I are currently on day 30 of doing the whole 30 diet, oh, wow. which is very low carb. Which is why you're not drinking with us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, no, we're, we're about to try the cauliflower rice too. So we're excited about that. Is it, is it a pretty good alternative? You know, I was surprised. I was surprised by that. Um, it's not as bad as you think. We found a great way to do, um, like an Asian-inspired fish bowl with them. That is, I mean, honestly, if all you're doing is fish and broccoli and lots and lots and lots of chili paste, you don't miss the rice. You just don't feel bloated. Okay. But Her Kentucky Eats is, I would say, 80% our low carb. And then the other 20% is, hey, I was in Nashville and I went to the Gulch and I went to Biscuit Love and I left that life behind for a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that one has been a lot of fun. And it's also been a great way to, you know, I do work with Louisville Stoneware some. Um, I've collected their pottery for years. So it's a great way to sort of show, you know, I keep it consistent with everything I cook at home and I plate on this Instagram account is plated on my Louisville Stoneware Bachelor Button dishes. Um, so that, that's been a beautiful way to sort of tie it back to what I do on Her Kentucky, but really express what we're interested in at the moment at my home, you know, that we're doing the big green egg all the time because we're doing mainly protein. So, and I do think that that's an interesting way to show how my own life has evolved. I think that... You know, I, I get a lot of times folks seem to think, hey, you're a social media influencer. You put everything in your life out on social. No, 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 no. We're very private people at my house. And I think that that is the beauty of this job. I can show you what's going on in my life, but I only show you what I want to show you. I don't show you the days when I'm like, I can't cook and I'm going to go get a salad from Texas Roadhouse because it's easy. Or I can't show you, you know, I don't show you the day of, uh, I've got a stupid dentist appointment first thing in the morning. I can, so I can pull archive photos of, hey, here's, here's when I went to Shaker Village a couple months ago. This is a beautiful photo. And I think, and I know that there is one whole school of thought that says, okay, you've completely missed the point when you took the Insta out of Instagram. Um, but nobody wants to see anybody's bad days. Exactly. Um, so we noticed that you have a page on Amazon and a shop on my Insta section. Do you find that social drive sales of products? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I am very judicious with that. I don't particularly love fast fashion. I don't particularly love something that just 
looks cheap and mass produced. I find that my readers are very interested in, because we are a little older, we are a little more interested in quality. My readers are never going to respond to torn jeans. because nobody wants to see their mom in torn jeans. Absolutely nobody does. Um, but, you know, I find that very much I've identified three or four clothing brands. For me, it's Draper James, it's Lily Pulitzer, it's Vineyard Vines. Those are brands that my readers are going to follow. Um, my readers like Yetis right now. Who doesn't? It's hot outside and that keeps your drink cold. Um, so yeah, I think that I'm never just promoting a product because, hey, here's that fat 10 cents I might get from the affiliate purchase. But I do like, you know, I do get a lot of questions about, hey, where did you get that dress? And because of the nature of the beast, you know, I would love it if the only products I were promoting were locally made. I would love it if Elva Fields, Anshaw Project, sort of my close friends who are building, you know, Pappy and Company, people who are building local businesses right here in Louisville, hand-making everything, you know, in the case of Anshaw Project, literally changing human beings' lives. I would love it if those were the only products I could promote. But at the same time, I do love the idea that I can show folks, hey, here's what I would wear to Keeneland, which is the number one search every year. Um, It's going to start in September for October meet for Keeneland. It's going to start pretty much in February for the spring meet in April, Um, even more than Derby. People are asking me, this is my first time going to Keeneland. What do I wear? Um, and And the monetization through those channels really do show folks, okay, here's what I'm wearing. Here's where I got it. I do try to tell them when there's sale codes, when there's promos. And I find that there are certain pieces that I know if I like them, my readers will as well. Um, I There was a dress last year that I found I loved. And a girlfriend of mine bought it in every color and it's literally what she wears under her traditional robes a lot of the summer because she's like, it's the perfect courtroom dress. So that, that makes me feel like I'm targeting in on things that not only interest me, but they interest women like me, which is a great feeling. Um, It feels like, okay, I found that this is demonstrably good for everyone. Episode one of this podcast, I uh, interviewed J.C. Phelps, a.k.a. I love J.C. Exactly, at J.C.P. Eats on Instagram. And uh, towards the end of the interview, I asked him who his favorite you know, local slash regional people to follow, and he listed you as one. I love JC. <laughs> oh my God. First time I ever met him, he literally looked at me and he was like, I've talked to you on the internet forever. Uh, your Louisville Stoneware pattern is bachelor button. It was just, oh my <laughs> gosh. It was like, I want to be friends with JC for life after that. He's just so cute. I love him. So besides JC, oh, um, sure. who who else would you recommend in this Louisville market to follow? Who uh, do you like to follow? I like Danielle Davis from Lou Hotware a lot. Danielle is just a great mix. She is also a PR pro and she is really great about keeping a mix of 
very professional product with here are the bad days with my kids. She has three small children and she does a great job of sort of balancing the pretty with the everyday. Um, another one I love is um, what Nicole wore. Nicole Green is, she just does this great job. She's, um, she's in her 20s um, and she really started a brand out of, hey, I'm African American and I don't see anyone who looks like me. Um, the Kentucky Gent, Josh always has great content. Um, th- those are always some great ones. My friend Emily Ho, do you guys know Emily? She's authentically Emmy. It sounds familiar. Okay, she's, um, I, and I hate this term, and I, d- I don't like to use this, but she's a plus-size blogger. And um, she's just, she's amazing. She has an MBA in marketing. She was actually one of the original Her Kentucky Riders. And she does this great sort of body positivity, um, plus-size fashion, and it's just this really great place where she's able to share clothing and weight loss or or rather workout and she started as a weight loss blogger and she's really turned into more body positivity and it's just it's a really great site and she does it so professionally like I said she has an MBA in marketing and she was truly my mentor as far as this weird world of blogging sort of showing me what I was doing at first so um she started in Lexington, and she's been uh, featured in several national publications, but she actually lives in the East End of Louisville now. Um, but she's a great one to follow. She's at A-U-T-H-E-M-M-I-E. So she's another great one. So what's next for her Kentucky? Is there anything exciting that you can share with us now? Oh, my goodness. Um, I am finishing a book about women in the bourbon industry, which has felt like gestating an elephant. Um, On the one hand, I do tell people the most fun you'll ever have is quit work and write a book about bourbon. But after you get to, there is a point where you stop going to distilleries and meeting with people and hearing their stories and sampling their wares. And there's a point where you start writing footnotes. And footnotes aren't as fun. But uh, that's where I am now. I'm finishing that. I plan to launch a podcast in the very near future called My Friends Have Cool Jobs. Um, And then keep the Her Kentucky brand going. We'll we'll celebrate eight years in September. Well, Heather, thank you so much for coming on and and joining us here at Old Forester today at George's Bar. Thank you so Um, much. It's it's been fun. And, you know, we we have this, uh, we have these drinks in front of us. So let's, let's finish those. Absolutely. Cheers. Thank you. All right, everybody. That wraps up today's episode of Eat, Drink, Social. Thanks for listening. If you have a story to share or maybe you know somebody that does, feel free to reach out to us. 